zero distractions, zero social media, just there's not too many opportunities where you can have that now. Like we're, I feel like we're constantly overstimulated. I also liked how it combined a lot of my favorite things. So like the fitness aspect, you know, the being in nature and also being with friends. So it was like three in one deal. Hey listeners, after a bit of a hiatus, we're finally back again with some fresh content. I cannot overstate how stoked we are to be releasing this episode featuring one of our closest pals, Olivia. After growing up as a synchronized swimmer, Olivia has always been an active person and has taken that passion to the outdoors as an adult. Along with some fun and basic anecdotes, you'll get to hear all about how much hiking has shaped her life and identity and how she has been crushing it on the classic Vancouver hiking challenge, the Grouse Grind. Speaking of grinds, we're excited to announce that we have teamed up with the Fernie Gravel Grind, an iconic gravel biking festival and race in the gorgeous town of Fernie, BC. You folks, our beloved listeners, can get 15% off a single day pass for the women's category. The discount code is WBP2022. That's WBP2022. You can find a link to register on our social media and in this episode description. Anywho, now that we've shared that exciting news, it's time to dive into this fun and very basic episode with our lovely friend, Olivia. podcast about everyday badass women who love the outdoors and are unafraid to be unapologetically themselves in the backcountry regardless of norms and expectations. I'm Emma. And I'm Allie. On this podcast, we hope to share our love of backcountry shenanigans with those like us, those that inspire us, and those that are excited to discover their interest in the outdoors. know if I want to do this well it's recording now so no training back it's happening <laughs> <laughs> okay. and you can crop stuff out right like it's not like the end of the world yes yeah. Olivia <laughs> <laughs> don't worry okay we're not gonna we're not gonna you know select only the shitty parts of you and then put you on blast for like 40 <laughs> minutes on our podcast no we're not toxic not at least not in those ways we can be toxic in other ways but (laughs) not with not to each other (laughs) not to each other we just rant about other people okay anyway maybe we'll try to be slightly more real for a second okay three two one action okay hello listeners welcome back to another episode of wildly basic today we have a very special guest one of our closest friends she's gotten some micro shout outs in our previous episodes but here we have olivia olivia we're so happy to have you i feel like you so so beautifully embody wildly basic so it's honestly surprising to me that it's taken this long for us to have you on the show well i'm a busy gal so it's hard to find some free time but i'm glad i'm here today For those of you that don't know Olivia, which is honestly all our listeners probably know Olivia, but for those that don't, this girl has three jobs and somehow still manages to have the time to spend a bit of time with her family, with her boyfriend, 
with her friends, and most importantly, and the topic of a lot of what we want to talk about today, this girl is a grouse grind queen. She goes all the time. She's smashing her own records all the time. She's on that leaderboard. Yeah. Um, Olivia, how about we start by you just introducing yourself to our listeners? Okay. Well, as you know, my name's Olivia. Um, I was a synchronized swimmer since I was nine. I did that for about 15 years. I was on the national team for two of those years. And then um, when I retired from that sport, I um, went to UBC and studied kinesiology. And while I was there, I ended up joining the UBC synchro team and did that more for fun. Um, And it was a great transition out of the sport. And now um, I'm still involved in the sport. I'm on the uh, Canada Artistic Swimming Board of Directors as the athlete chair. And yeah, as you guys said, I spend a lot of time at Grouse Mountain going up the grind. This actually was one of my COVID hobbies, which became a COVID obsession. So not all our listeners necessarily know what the Grouse Grind is if they're not from Vancouver. So could you describe what it is and why it's such a local phenomenon? Okay, right. So The phenomenon of the Grouse Grind. (laughs) Okay, it's... A trail, it's about 2.5 kilometers long, um, but it's around 800 meters in elevation. And it's a lot of stairs and rocks and steep, just just a very steep trail. And at the bottom of the trail, um, there's a scanner. And if you buy what's called a grind timer, um, you can scan your card at the bottom and then again at the top. And then it inputs your time into a ranking system. And then you can be ranked like overall for the season or within your gender and age group. I think that pretty much sums it up. Yeah, like I guess to add to that, it's one of those things that every Vancouver local knows about. It's a super popular trail and people get really competitive about their grind times. And if you ask someone from Vancouver, oh, what's your grind time? Like they, they know what that question means. You know, like it's it's a well-known phenomenon, as I said. <laughs> Yeah. And it's the grouse grinds. One of those things that if you're visiting Vancouver, people are like, oh, we have to go check out the grouse grind as if it's like just one of those trails that you do once and then you never do again. But there are real people in the city who take it so seriously. And it's like a daily hobby of theirs. I would like to report that I am one of those people now. Um, (laughs) It's great. I, I tell everyone. You tell everyone? Yeah. And then and then when people refer to like my friend group, they're like, Allie, the, the girl you do the podcast with. And then they're like, Olivia's the grouse grind girl, right? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> um, Olivia, what else do you do outside of the grind? I know you do other things outside. You have a job. Well, you have multiple have jobs. jobs. So I work as a kinesiologist at a physiotherapy clinic. That's my main hustle. And then I have two side hustles. Um, the first side hustle is I work as a lifeguard and swim instructor. And the second high, si- the second side hustle is that I work at Lululemon part-time, um, which supplies the clothing that I wear up the grouse grind. You will rarely see me on the grouse grind not wearing Lululemon. I- actually, I don't think you'll ever see me on the grouse grind not wearing <laughs> Lululemon. Um, I'm especially a big fan of matching sets. So spot the girl with the pink sports bra and scrunchie. That's me. And then in the winter time, what I like to do for fitness outdoors, I enjoy both downhill skiing and cross country skiing. So cross country skiing is more for my workout. Downhill skiing is more for fun. And that's something that Allie and I actually really enjoy doing together. We go to Whistler quite a bit while well, we used to, and we were students and had the student pass. 
um, and when Allie lived here, but we try to still go up every year and that's always super fun. Like it's a highlight of my winter for sure. But yeah, I really enjoy doing cross-country skiing now. I go up to Cyprus during the winter a few times a week, do like a 10K and then drive home. I really like doing night skiing. There's not a lot of people up there and it's very peaceful. Even though I've lived away for the past couple of years, we've still gone to, we still made it out for like at least a couple Whistler days each year. Hopefully, fingers crossed, this year will be the same. Yeah, I hope so. I hope your back gets better. Oh, <laughs> We can't talk about it. <laughs> um. Uh, Olivia, I'm really happy to hear about the cross country that you do in the winter as a off season of your grind, because I'm imagining you can still wear a matching set cross country skiing. Maybe you throw in a vest, but it's it's still a possibility. I will wear a matching set to Cyprus and add a vest on there. (laughs) I want to like amend Olivia's previous statement that you'll never see her on the grind without Lululemon. Like, I think you'll just never see her without Lululemon. At least I think all summer long, because for those of you that don't know, I was back home in Vancouver for the whole summer. I don't think I saw Olivia once that entire summer not wearing Lululemon, with the exception of like if we were at the beach and we were wearing bathing suits. And even then, some of those were Lululemon bathing suits. (laughs) This is no, this is not a plug episode for Lululemon. This is not a sponsored episode. (laughs) I'm saying these things on behalf of myself, not on behalf of the company. (laughs) <laughs> I, I could get in trouble for that there's I'm no conflict of interest despite olivia yeah, working no, for no them <laughs> also i wasn't aware that a matching set included the scrunchie this is news to me and i feel like i've been lacking now oh sometimes the matching set is the sports bra and scrunchie because if i'm wearing for example a light blue sports bra and a light blue scrunchie and i'm going up the grind on a hot day i don't want to have ass sweat show through my shorts i'll wear oh. black shorts Oh my gosh, it's so true. I was actually going for a run the other day in a Lululemon, like a pair of Lululemon shorts that were this like mossy green. And the asphalt was bad. Uh, you I got to the end that. and I looked down and I was like, oh my gosh, it's all over me. I look like I've peed myself. Okay, guys, I have a simple solution to this problem. If you're like me, you just sweat so much that it's all <laughs> wet and then it all is just <laughs> color. Oh, okay. I'll try that next time. Thanks. <laughs> Enough of this chit chat. We need to get to the real hard hitting news, Olivia, about let's go back to what you were saying earlier about doing the grouse grind and other backcountry activities that you're involved in have really helped you in a few life transitions you've done. Um, Yeah. So when I retired from sport and then um, quit artistic swimming or synchronized swimming altogether, I kind of struggled with finding a new activity where I could really push myself. Um, one thing that I really liked about sport was that I was able to set goals and then work really hard towards achieving them. After that sport was cut out of my life, I had a lot of trouble finding something else where I could, you know, apply those goal setting skills and then work really hard towards achieving certain things. So at the beginning of the pandemic, I was laid off my jobs and wasn't really doing anything. And it was kind of weird just having this time where I had nothing to do in It was honestly kind of depressing, but I decided to force myself to get outside and start running. And I started doing that a few times a week and then it started getting easier. And then one of my other good friends who will probably be mentioned on this podcast too, Zoe, invited me to go do the grind with her and I did it. And I was like, oh, this was really hard. Um, But then I, I went again with her and then I started timing myself 
And I started seeing like even little improvements and it was super rewarding. So then I ended up getting a gross pass and also a grind timer. And that was it for me. I started going like three or four times a week and pushing myself harder and harder until I really started seeing results. I started at about like, I want to say 54, 55 minutes. And within a couple of weeks of having the pass, I was already sub 50. And then after that, it just, I just kept watching the numbers go down and it was really rewarding. And then I set last summer some unrealistic goals for myself that I didn't achieve. But this year I kept going for it and I finally achieved my goal of getting under 38 minutes. So it was actually yesterday. I got 37 minutes and 20 seconds. And that was my first time ever breaking 38 minutes. So somehow in the last week, I shaved off a whole minute. (laughs) I don't do the grouse grind at all. Uh, I did it once for our listeners on the BCMC, which is kind of like the secondary trail of it. And I, it was so hard. Like, don't underestimate the grouse grind at all. Now I look at Olivia on Strava, like I see her Stravas and I am so invested in her grouse grind time. I'm reporting to my whole house anytime you get a PB and we're all like, yeah, go Olivia. So when you did 37 yesterday, I think I announced it to like my entire circle. I was like, hi, my grouse grind friend, Olivia got another PB. (laughs) Well, I appreciate the support. I don't know anyone who you live with, but I would (laughs) them someday. (laughs) But yeah, I was really happy with that. And I've literally been trying to achieve this goal for like a year. So it was pretty rewarding. But yeah, I feel like doing the gross grind has been the thing for me that has allowed me to set those goals and then push myself really hard in order to achieve them. And I think with the sport that I did, it's a sport where you're kind of forced to be in a position where you're really uncomfortable. So you have to hold your breath for extended periods of time while you're also you know your heart rate is really high and you also somehow have to smile and look like you're enjoying yourself while you feel like you're drowning Um, (laughs) so it was interesting because on the grind yesterday I was just for context the gross grind is closing this week for maintenance um so yesterday was kind of like my last shot to really go for it so I showed up at the trailhead and I was like I am going to get a personal best time today And I just remember I wasn't even feeling that great. But the whole time I was like, this is your last shot. Like you can do it. Mind over matter, mind over matter. And it was just like, you know, when I used to compete during a competition and it was like the finals, it was, you know, I was in the top five or whatever. And it was like between medals. I knew that mid routine. And even though I was dying, you still had to push through that really uncomfortable feeling. And that's what it felt like yesterday. Honestly, that made it even more rewarding at the top when I saw that I had broken 38 minutes. But yeah, it's just interesting how, you know, you can do sport for so long and then in something completely different, you can still apply those same like mentalities. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about, um, I mean, synchro is largely a team sport. How do you feel about the transition from going to something that was kind of team-based to doing something where you're relying on yourself and you're the one responsible for pushing yourself? Well, the one thing that I really like about the grind is that it's not subjective. So I know that's not really related to synchro being a team sport, but also in synchro um, for national team tryouts and things like that, I was alone in a lot of the testing. So it was a bit of both. I did individual stuff and team stuff, but it's nice to finally do something that is solely based off of a time and not someone else's opinion. 
I feel like that is a lot more motivating because at the end of the day, you're not always questioning like, oh, what was it uh, because just because of someone's opinion that I scored this certain result. Um, whereas with the grind, it's just like, that is your time. And that's that. True, true, true. Yeah. Allie, I'm sure you can relate to that. Yeah, I can definitely relate. I think every, again, everyone who's listening knows us, but I grew up doing rhythmic gymnastics and similar to Olivia, it was a really something that I was extremely invested in and that I, all my goals were rhythmic gymnastics related. And it's something that I totally get the struggle that can happen when you leave something like that and your whole childhood and young adult life has been tied to a certain sport and you come into this world where it's like, okay, now just you're done, entertain yourself now, you know? And uh, I also have felt that having goals in my hobbies, which are in largely outdoor hobbies, um, has kind of helped me redefine my identity when for a while after quitting gymnastics, I felt a little like I wasn't quite sure anymore what I was all about. Um, So I totally get that. But I have to say, one thing that I've lost that Olivia has totally kept is that drive, that competitive athlete mentality and that ability to push through physical and physical discomfort and mental doubt is just something super incredible. And the fact that you've been able to maintain that for so long is really inspiring. Thanks, Allie. There was a point this summer during the heat wave where I was on the grind, just like sweating bullets. My heart rate was probably over 200 and I thought I was going to throw up. And I was like, why am I doing this to myself? (laughs) But you know what? It paid off. We talked a little bit earlier while we were chit-chatting about the matching Lululemon look. And as we've kind of said, the gross grind's super popular. And when you go up that trail, there are always other people around. And I actually grew up very close to the gross grind and I've done it a lot of times. And for a while, I kind of hated it because there would always be other people. And it would often be like people I knew, like from my high school and stuff. But it's been long enough now since I graduated that that's not as much of a big deal. But what I was trying to say is there's always people around and, uh, you know, you're going up and on first glance, I think a lot of people underestimate you as you roll up looking really bougie in your Lululemon fit. Um, and they don't expect you to pass every single other person on the trail on your way up. So I feel like you have some stories about that, that you kind of touched on before we started recording. Yeah. I mean, I definitely like to live by this motto, look good, feel good. So I like to show up in what I feel more most comfortable in and what I think looks good. And that's going to be my Lululemon matching sets. When I roll up to the grind, get to the trailhead, there's usually other people waiting there. And I definitely get some looks and they probably don't think that I'm going to, you know, be a fast gross grinder because I just look like a basic bitch for lack of better terms. I've noticed too that when I'm on the trail, especially with like middle-aged men, um, so I'll be coming up behind them and I would like to you know pass them and a lot of people will move over to the right and let you go by them but I've noticed this trend especially with that demographic is that they'll stay right in the middle of the trail and actually speed up so that they're intentionally not allowing me to pass them that is one of my pet peeves on the grind it's so annoying because like I'm going for you know a record time and I will literally be by them in one second like I'm not getting in their way like they just need to step they don't even need to stop they just need to move over but they purposely will not and then they will purposely speed up as well and it's so irritating because I think it honestly has something to do with the fact that I am a woman and I and I do look you know 
like a basic bitch. <laughs> Word. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but also, like, please never change. No, I won't. Honestly, I I feel like that would make the time that you get at the top just all that more rewarding that you're like, yeah, fuck you, and I look good. <laughs> you see them at the top. Uh, for those of you who don't know, the grouse grind at the top has like little cards for the time you can put you can like put your time and then take a picture beside your time I'm just imagining Olivia at the top taking a picture beside her record time and this like old middle-aged man comes up and sees you like taking some bomb ass picture with your cute matching set and you're like insane time and he's like god damn really this girl Guys, I have a funny story about that. This is a side note. Um, yesterday, I did do that. I went and took a photo with the little time cards at the view. And then um, just for jokes, I like got up on the railing and in front of the time, like fully just lying on top of the railing, which you're definitely not supposed to do. But no one has ever said anything before. I've sat on it multiple times. <laughs> Mid photo, this woman comes out of the lodge on the balcony and yells, ma'am, get off the railing (laughs) I was so embarrassed um I didn't have friends who were very uh at the photography so the photos didn't even turn out so that was kind of (laughs) sad they're like ma'am get off you're ruining the view and you're like honey I am the view (laughs) do you not see this matching a line set please no don't wear a lines on the grind that fabric is not good for sweat I love running in my aligned shorts. Hold on. The shorts are good, but like not the tank top. It's not very supportive either. Kate, you got to cut that out. The tank top's really bad for boob sweat because it's just like pushing them. And then there's like a lot of area there where the boob sweat can like accumulate. No, I I disagree. I, maybe it's just the fact that I feel so good when I wear an aligned top. I'm like, oh yeah. Like, again, like you said, look good, feel good. When I wear one, I feel so invincible. (laughs) Like, I feel like if it is not supportive or if it is showing all my sweat, I don't even care. I'm like, no, I look good right now. What I I really like about the Align Top, and I mean, there's other tops that do this too, but the Align Top, the back, like, scoops lower and there's no crisscross along it. So when I'm, like, you know, working out, I know that, like, my back muscles are also showing, so I, like, feel even better about it. Oh yeah, it's one of my go-tos now since I got the back tattoo. The Align Top has great back tattoo exposure. Oh my god, I had a question. I'm moving, I'm gonna move away from the grouse grind. I wanted to ask you about, because last year we, we all went on a backpacking trip, and I think, if I'm not incorrect, that was your first time doing that. Yeah. And then since then, you've done other trips, so you're clearly enjoying it, and I wanted to ask you about your experience with that. Yeah. So last summer we did Manning Park. I don't even remember what the trail was called because I didn't do any of the planning. I just kind of rolled up to the trailhead and got the Osprey pack that I was supposed to buy that matched two of my other friends. And then I just relied on you guys to keep me alive for three days. But you did well. I really enjoyed it. She's still here. We did well. (laughs) We kept her alive. (laughs) I really enjoyed the backpacking trip. And I think what I enjoyed most about it was being out of service for three days just with your friends. That was awesome. And also just being in the wilderness like that at night is so cool. It's just quiet. Nobody's out there to bug you except maybe some bears, but that's okay. But yeah, it was just quality time spent with friends over three days, like zero distractions, zero social media, just 
there's not too many opportunities where you can have that now. Like we're, I feel like we're constantly overstimulated. I also liked how it combined a lot of my favorite things. So like the fitness aspect, you know, the being in nature and also being with friends. So it was like three in one deal. Triple threat. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I've actually gone on quite a few more overnight trips since then. My favorite one that I did this year was the Berg Lake Trail. Is that the one close to Jasper? Yeah, so it's right near the border of BC and Alberta. It's about an hour and a half, I want to say, from Jasper. Yeah, Mount Robson, I think, is the tallest mountain in BC. We hiked right up to Berg Lake, and then Mount Robson is like the glacier on Mount Robson feeds into Berg Lake. And I got, because it was so hot, that glacier was melting and I got to see like huge chunks of that glacier, like fall into the lake. Like it was just one of the most difficult hikes to do because of the temperature, but all of those sort of like adverse events that happened kind of made the trip more memorable. Yeah. You often like, I look back on my backpacking trips too. And a lot of the things that stick out are the bad or dumb things that happened that we kind of had to deal with, you know, the trips that have gone more smoothly, I remember less. (laughs) Yeah, no, I, it's so funny. Every time I plan a camping trip, there's a part of me that's like, oh, we're just camping. Like to me, sometimes camping is not the activity or even backpacking is not like the activity. It's a means to an end. Sometimes I plan backpacking trips and I'm like, oh, but like, what are we doing this trip for? Like, what am I you know, what mountain am I trying to summit or like, where am I trying to go or something like that? But then afterwards, after the trip, I think back and I'm like, oh, the actual experience was me just trying to manage the small issues that came up. It's one of those things where we have very few moments in our life. And this it's very privileged of us to say this because there's people all over the world that definitely can't say this. But for me, at least, I don't spend most of my time just thinking about, okay, where am I going to, what am I going to eat? Where am I going to eat it? Uh, what am I going to drink? How much water do I have? Uh, is this, is this ground flat? Is this ground wet? Is my tent going to be okay here? How windy is it going to be tonight? What's the weather like? Am I going to get hypothermia? Like you're literally just constantly just managing your own survival needs in a way. And like, that sounds extreme because you come in these, into these trips, hopefully very prepared, but um, it gives you kind of some perspective and it, and it just, it's a way, it's something that keeps you in the moment because your brain's occupied with what you're doing at that time and what your next step is and how you're going to feed yourself when you ruin your sidekicks by burning them to the bottom of the pot. So yeah. The other thing I think about is like, like you said, you're more or less, you're going out there pretty safe. You have all the things you need. Most of the time the gear is like, pretty good so you're not even that worried like you're worried about being like a little chilly at night not about actually dying I read these stories of like people who were doing some like bushwhacking backcountry things like back in the day like when like the first people who went up a mountain and they're going up with like these super heavy packs and they're bringing like real pots and they don't have the technology we have today let alone the trail networks and all that or even like gps and I'm like I, I have it so easy. <laughs> Anyways, it just puts everything in perspective. And then I'm like, oh, it's funny because you do the first few activities and you're like, this was so fun. And then you're like, okay, but like, how can we make this like more intense? And then you burn sidekicks and you're like, maybe I shouldn't make it more intense. <laughs> <laughs> but I like what you said, Ali, about, and Olivia said this too, about being in the moment and being present. And there's 
few distractions when you're out there and you get to just participate in what's happening and the people you're with and the activity that you're engaged in or the area you're in. After those trips, I always come back refreshed and I'm able to better handle my to-do list. I'm like, oh, I feel just this renewed sense of not only my identity, but just my capabilities. Mm -hmm. It's definitely really like you feel really empowered when you just take care of yourself (laughs) for a couple days. Okay, that sounds kind of pathetic now that I say it out loud, but (laughs) that ramen all by myself in the forest. (laughs) Real, real deal though. The ramen and the, what else did we have that night? Oh, Annie's. Annie's. That really messed me up. Oh, and the chili. That was bad. It was bad. <laughs> that that made for a challenging hike out. We had to space out from each other at certain moments. Because we were farting too much. I haven't had mountain chili since. I also remember Liz on that trip. Like when we were packing up the bags, she was like, no, we have to take the blueberries. They were like fresh blueberries. So they take up, there's a lot of water in blueberries. They take up a lot of space. She's like, we have to bring the blueberries. And I was like, we don't need them, Liz. She was like, no, Emma, we're really going to want these blueberries. Like, trust me. And she carried the blueberries because she was adamant we needed them. And the next morning when we had our peaches and cream oatmeal and she added in my blueberries, my day was made. And <laughs> to this day, I think about it and I'm like, Liz was so right. We needed those blueberries. I'm trying to think what else happened on that trip. Oh, I feel like I need to call Emma out on. <laughs> so for the record, uh, we had two two-person tents. Olivia and Liz were in one tent and then me and Sydney were in another tent. And then Emma had her hammock set up. I mean, none of us foresaw this happening. None of us knew it was going to get that cold at night, but maybe we should have foreseen it given that we were at pretty high elevation up in the subalpine and Emma was too cold in her hammock. So she had to come in to me and and like, let's be real, a two person tent actually having two people in there can be a bit of a tight squeeze sometimes. And we had a third person in there and we all kind of had to like sleep on our side. But honestly, I think we were all warmer because of it because we just had three people's body heat in that tent. I mean, you can definitely call me out because I literally just said, oh, sometimes I go out there and then I'm like, let's make this more intense. And I brought a fucking hammock and it got like to be minus five and I was too cold. And that's why I shouldn't make things more intense. And I should just stick to the basics. The tents had ice on the outside of them in the morning. And this was August. Just so everyone knows, this was August or at least late July. Yeah, no, that was a super fun trip. Oh, no. Okay. One more thing that didn't go super well is so one of the things that our friend group likes to do is if we're planning an overnight backpacking trip, rather than sort of moving around our camp multiple times, especially if you're only there for two nights, what we'll do is we'll hike in set up camp and the following day we'll do a big day hike without taking our camp down so we just sleep there again the following night so that's what we did in Manning Park hiked in I think it was what 13 kilometers in or something set up camp and then the following day we had this big yeah 20 kilometers but luckily we just had our day packs on yeah it was cold the weather was rainy and we're hiking to this lake we get to the lake There's very few times I will ever shit on a view. I always think nature is beautiful, but I have to say that after like that many kilometers, we get to this fucking lake. It's tiny. It's basically a pond. It's windy. It's cold. All we have to eat is like bagels with peanut butter, which is tasty, but 
that if you're just sitting there like on a log by this tiny lake like so unsatisfied I remember like all of us brought bathing suits and towels in anticipation of swimming and we got there we were like this that would be the worst idea right now it was such a letdown it really was I usually swim in every lake that I go to no matter whether it's cold whatever I will swim but that lake I did not swim in (laughs) and that's saying a lot for Olivia like she has swam in her fair share of glacial lakes to bring it back to kind of what we were talking about earlier about the outdoors and like active hobbies outside being a great place for goal setting and a great opportunity to feel really fulfilled in something outside of work or school or whatever you've obviously just achieved a big goal of yours which was getting below 38 minutes on the grass grind and I feel like we didn't clarify this earlier but for the listeners who don't know I would say correct me if I'm wrong Olivia but around like somewhere just over an hour is probably pretty average for the average like relatively healthy person goes up their first time they're probably just over an hour you know getting below an hour is that's respectable like getting below 50 minutes that's starting to get quite serious and like 45 or less is like the real deal and so Olivia getting 38 is absolutely huge but you've just smashed that so do you have do you know kind of what's next for you in your outdoor fitness life goals I probably will try to break 37 next. Let's go. (laughs) And then once the snow hits, I will be at Cyprus and at Whistler. But yeah, I haven't actually thought of other backpacking trips that I want to do. I Yeah, it's been kind of off my radar. But I would like to do the Juan de Fuca Trail. That would be my next big one, I think. But that one's hard to book as well because it's so popular. Yeah, the booking system's out are definitely making things harder to plan yeah it's been getting pretty um pretty crazy in bc at least the past like this past summer for sure was for the more popular trails you had to um really book way ahead of time and uh it's hard to find now sort of trails that people don't know about and when you do find them they're ones that are super out of the way because anything that's easily accessible from vancouver has become quite popular for sure. Even the like trails like the Juan de Fuca, I heard that you have to book like over or like around a year in advance. Oof, yikes. Which is just crazy because <laughs> I'm not going to plan, you know, a few day backpacking trip in my backyard literally a year in advance. Like I have no idea where I'm going to be in a year. It makes it difficult to just be spontaneous, I find, with planning. And then you actually have to sit down and plan this trip that otherwise you could maybe just do without so much planning. But Okay, I have something. So I think like we kind of started delving into this and then we started focusing a bit more on the hiking and stuff. But uh, Emma, you said this earlier in the episode, like when we talk about like a backcountry basic bitch, like it just picture Olivia. And so I don't know, I want to hear more about if you have any other stories or like, or even Olivia, like, out of the five of us, I find you're definitely the best at the photo shoots. And the photo shoots are a big part. Okay, we will stop on the trail for literally 45 minutes. If it means we're going to get the shot of us looking good of our booties looking popping and our abs looking good, like, 
And Olivia is always behind the camera, making sure that she's getting the right angles and that our hair is not like in a weird spot. That's another aspect of wildly basic or being the basic backcountry bitch is shamelessly, I think shamelessly is the right word. Yeah. Without shame, taking like the photo shoots and getting the view and like enjoying the experience the way you want to. Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely, um, definitely behind all of the photo shoots. <laughs> That's one of the highlights for me. I love taking photos of my friends and then looking at the map and being all excited about how good everybody looks in our like full outfits and packs. So we look legit, but we also look like, you know, hot as fuck in the photos too that's the goal you want to have you want to look legit but also look good um so that's <laughs> why I like taking the photos it's just fun to do that with friends but you know what's interesting is I know we have social media and all of that now but my parents actually met hiking can I just tell the story I feel like this is a cute story can I just throw yeah it in? yeah obviously yeah, I like the story my hiking background was fueled by my parents like I wouldn't be I physically would not be here if hiking didn't exist so my parents met hiking the Lions Mountain they met on the trail my mom was hiking with her friend my dad was hiking with his friend like a separate groups and they somehow met on the trail um I guess my my parents hit it off <laughs> My dad asked my mom what type of car she drove and he got down the mountain first and he wrote a note and left it on her, like on her window of her car. So when she got back down, she saw the note and it said something like, if you ever want to go hiking again, here's my number. So she gave him a call and I guess they hung out and the rest is history. Um, But anyways, it was really funny. So for their anniversary this year, we went and hiked the Lions Trail and it was such a fun day. And when we got home, my dad pulled out an old photo album and it was full of all these like hiking photos. And it was so funny because it's like a lot of the same same stuff that we would do, like up at Joffrey Lakes Glacier, just all these poses and, you know, like him and his friends, him and my mom at all these mountain peaks. And he made photo albums out of this. I feel like what we do isn't just for the social media. It's it's for fun and it's for like our own memories. Maybe I get that from my parents because they had a whole freaking album, okay, from like three hikes. There were so many photos, but it was so fun to look back on. Aw, I really liked that story. I like that you included that. That was really wholesome. It was. <laughs> I feel like hiking has just been a big part of my life for many reasons now just like from my parents for the fitness aspect and now to spend time with my friends and go on adventures that I will remember for a long time. I also think we owe a lot of the kind of connection in our friend group to hiking like when I think about it when kind of when we talk about the five of us like it's kind of that group that went on that Manning Park trip like we the first time we kind of all hung out as a group I think it's when we hiked Garibaldi and Olivia drove us in her big, big yeah. of the SUV. That was the first time I had ever been like north of Vancouver. Really? Yeah. No, I'm serious. Like I, I remember Olivia sitting in the back of your car and like looking out the window at, well, the sea to sky as I know it now and like driving through Squamish and then up and like towards Whistler. And I was like, I have absolutely no clue where I am. Like, I I was like, I cannot, if you gave me a map, I would not be able to tell you where we're driving. And it's so funny because now that I live in Squamish and I like drive up and down the sea to sky weekly, I like, I know it like the back of my left hand, but the first time I ever drove up there was in your car, Olivia, with all of us. 
I didn't even know that. That's awesome. Yeah. Air booty. That's where it all started. (laughs) And we did get a lot of basic bitch photos. Like there's so many where we look like we're, we're a sorority. Good times. Uh, On a more serious note, Olivia, I actually wanted to ask you if you had any advice for other people, because you talk about the transition out of sport, like out of competitive sport. And so I was wondering if you had any advice for people who might be struggling with the same um, transition and if you had any advice for them, particularly about getting into more outdoor recreation and backcountry activities and maybe breaking through some insecurities they might have. I would say the first step is find some people to do it with because that that makes it more fun and enjoyable and helps you kind of find out if you like an activity too. It's not fun just going out to try something new by yourself. I mean, go for it. But like the backpacking thing, for instance, that was, I got into that because of friends. Um, the grouse grind, I got into that because, you know, like Ali, you and Zoe did it all the time. So find people to go with and then get the gear, make sure you're prepared um, and then set some goals, even if they're small, just related to time or whatever, just completing something. I think those would be some suggestions that I would have. I I think the hardest thing with, you know, retiring from sport is the identity loss. And that honestly takes a really long time to get over. Like sometimes it still gets to me when I start thinking about my past and everything, like it doesn't go away in a day. So you just kind of have to trust the process and, and try new things and, you know, know that it will take a while, but eventually you'll find other things that you enjoy and other areas where you can push yourself. You spoke about it earlier, Olivia, about how your kind of mental resilience that you got in synchro translated really well to grouse grind. People can always find other areas where they can, push themselves and like you said set goals so yeah you're kind of like a success story <laughs> I wouldn't go so far to say that this is like success red success <laughs> I feel like this is like, like a small thing but there are other goals that I did not achieve this year which are hanging over my head like a dark cloud but at least I got this ah I feel like there's something to be said about like if you're achieving all of the goals that you're setting maybe you're not aiming high enough you just, you were just talking about trusting the process, right? And, you know, part of goal setting is like, you won't get every goal right away. It doesn't mean you won't get it. You might not get it in the timeline you thought you would, but you still got to trust the process and keep going. Okay. Well, um, Olivia. That wraps it up nicely. Yeah. Do you have anything else you want to say as we kind of like close up? Thank you guys for having me. I am flattered that you thought I was good enough to be on this podcast. So thanks for letting me talk to you guys about how I like to spend my time. Thanks for coming on. I know, like I said, I said this at the beginning, but I'm just so glad we got Olivia on the show because I just really feel like when I picture wildly basic, like Olivia is a very, very clear image on the forefront for me. A hundred percent. I agree. And I'm also super glad, Olivia, I think you shared some really good personal stories and perspectives. And also it's been really different from a lot of the other people we've talked to so far. And I think that I hope that our couple listeners that we have will 
appreciate that variety and new perspectives that you brought. I hope so. Okay. Okay, Bye, listeners. Thanks again. We love you. Bye. Thanks for listening to Wildly Basic. Don't forget to subscribe or follow wherever you get your podcasts. We're also on Instagram at Wildly Basic Podcast. Our marketing director is Emma. Our editor-in-chief is Ali. Artwork by Emma. Music and sound by Ali. Co-hosted by Emma and Ali. Thanks for tuning in. Happy trails! <laughs>